Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, the man with the patch has escaped New York, but now it is time to try L.A. in the apocalypse. Run, baby, run. This city can kill anybody! Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, and for tonight we are talking all things Escape from L.A., the sequel to the incredible 1980s John Carpenter cult classic Escape from New York. With that, we may as well introduce you to the running theme that we're going to have for the next few episodes, and it is bad sequels to awesome action movies. Uh, the term bad is a loose one, but not really because we all chose terrible movies. Uh, I... <laughs> was hoping Escape from L.A. would be better. It is not. (laughs) It really doesn't hold up. I mean, we are 20-plus years on from Escape from L.A., which itself was 15 years-plus on from Escape from New York. It did not age well. (laughs) It uh, feels longer than 20, put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, not good. Not Uh, good. So before we get into all that, uh, along with me, I am the Thunderous Wizard, our Captain Cash. Hey, everybody. And as always, hailing from the prison island of greater Los Angeles, Chump Pliskin. Call me Snake. <laughs> Not going to do that. Yeah. Not going to do that. Yeah, no. After that night in Tijuana, we swore we would never do that again. I thought that we were supposed <clears throat> to call you Fingers. <laughs> oh, you oh, are. Fingers. Uncle Fingers. He, he, actually, it's either works. Work. You can call me Snake uh, or call me Fingers. Welcome to the Hops and Box Office Flops universe in jokes. If you haven't listened to the last couple pods, catch up. Yeah. uh, The last one on Cutthroat Island was one for the ages. Was not also a movie. Not good. Was it worse than this movie? Maybe not, but I mean also not good. Oh, we're going to get to that later. It looked better. It looked better. So uh, that's true, but I think they also spent like a hundred million more dollars on this. Yeah, touche. Points of order: uh, You can find the show on Twitter and Facebook at Hops and Bo Flops. You can find myself at Writer TLK. Captain Cash, where can they find you? C A P T C A S H on most of your social media. And along with Podbean, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and uh, just search it. You'll find it. Just where your finest podcasts are sold, really. This movie, if you want to watch it, and I recommend you do for some comedic value and some awesome, typical Carpenter-like content, uh, is available to rent on just about any platform. Word has it, a couple of the co-hosts may have been uh, breaking the law and will be then deported to Los Angeles upon the earthquake slash tsunami that separates in this moral america i would not download a movie nor a car because i understand that that is breaking the law yeah and uh no caffeine either for the record (laughs) president uncle ben if you're listening uh i i 
totally illegal means. Technically, that, the entire premise of the pod is breaking Uncle Ben's laws. And Mitt Romney's. Yeah, very Why? true. Uh, no, no alcohol. Wait, do you, do you guys not have your magic underwear on? Because I definitely do. Oh, I've been wearing Wait. it since the tsunami surfing scene, so. Uh, I've always been wearing magic underwear exactly. from day one. Okay, so tonight, uh, to coincide with Pod, we're, we're drinking Surfari IPA because of the aforementioned tsunami surfing scene. It is from Pizza Port Brewing Company in lovely San Diego, California. Clocks in at a hearty 7.2 ABV, which you're probably going to need to ignore all of the outdated visuals that plague this movie. Uh, we'll talk about those more during our plot reflection, but there are a lot of them. Boy, howdy, 1996 was just the sweet spot for we're not good enough at this digital imaging yet no. to really rely heavily on it. Oops. So, cheers, gentlemen. And I will drink to that. Here, here. Shaka, brah. <laughs> Before we dive in to how we all felt about the movie, and I think we're all pretty close to the same way, uh, this movie just didn't live up to expectations. Uh, for one thing, it was sitting in development hell for over a decade. Probably was never going to be made if it hadn't been for Kurt Russell, who loved playing Snake Plissken so much that he just kept at it. But that passion didn't really equal results. The movie made just over $25 million, which was slightly more than New York, but it cost $50 million, whereas New York cost $6 million to make. So it was in the red. Uh, critically, it did okay, at 52% on Rotten Tomatoes with 48 reviews. And to bring it full circle, the late, great Roger Ebert, who panned the thing, gave this three and a half out of four stars. I think I'd like to the end there for him. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to add to your point, uh, Mr. Wizard, that Kurt Russell was not only interested in bringing back the character, but he actually co-wrote and co-produced this movie. This yes. was very yeah. much a passion project for one Kurt Russell. Yep. Uh, and the script has some issues, but we'll get there. Uh, Ebert said, Escape from LA has such manic has such manic energy, such a weird cockeyed vision, that it may work on some moviegoers as satire and on others as the real thing. Now, in that quote, there's definitely some things that are, I, you can certainly watch this movie and, and are totally there, such as the Surgeon General of Beverly Hills, Amongst others, fucking Bruce Campbell. Yeah, the chin, the chin. Yep, and we'll get into those as well during the plot. It, it's not a dumb movie. No, it's no, not it has a dumb good movie. Ideas, it's just not executed yep. particularly well, and yes. a lot of the script Agreed. is not good. And if you've seen Escape from New York, and I'm going to harp on this a lot throughout the podcast, it's the same movie. It's it just, is literally the same film. It's literally the same movie. It's just yeah. it's. A lot worse. It does yeah. all the same thing. Much like New York and L.A. Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> well, yeah. it, 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 and I'll say that you know a lot of times I blame the budget, you know, for some of these movies. Like, ah, oh, they clearly ran out of money, and that's why it didn't quite work. That's not the case here. They had a budget that would have made this movie work. They, they used it all wrong. Like, just it. They spent money in the wrong places, and it didn't add yeah, up. Yeah, and. With what you're saying, this is like a huge problem of mid-90s movies where the digital effects were coming into popularity and people, I think, used them 
to the detriment of their movies a lot. Like, to the point where some of these movies are no longer watchable. Like, when they were making Battlefield Earth, do you ever think they thought, like, oh, in 10 years, this you can't watch this anymore. It looks terrible. Uh, Godzilla 98. Right? Like, Listen, I played Warhawk in the late 2000s. They weren't that far off. Yeah, look at Godzilla 98, right? Like, that's unwatchable now. That, that's the one with Carrie Bradshaw on it, right? She she plays Godzilla. Uh, I think I, you're thinking Sex in the City, yeah. but I mean basically the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> her, her husband. Too. Her husband was in the '98 one. Yeah. That, that was the joke. Uh, but Matthew there's like a Broderick, whole series Ferris of uh, yes. CGI baby Godzillas that it's just unbelievably bad. Anyway, I've blocked that from my mind. That never happened. Okay. The only thing I remember about that movie was the cross promotion with Taco Bell because I love Taco Bell. I, I also remember the cross-promotion with Taco Bell, actually. If there's two things that are really bad for you and, and your colon, it's watching Godzilla 98 and eating a double-decker taco. I mean, to be fair, almost any Godzilla produced in America is not great for your colon. Yeah. And Taco Bell is awesome for your colon. You take that back. They can both be colon cleansing, but not particularly good for your colon. Fair. Yeah. I Fair mean, enough. scorched earth isn't good for the earth, but yeah. it is cleansing. But it's effective as a one-time. It's true. Tool. Can't can't argue that. All right. So, anyway. Escape from L.A. starring Kurt, call me Snake Russell, as the one and only Snake Plissken. Steve Crazy Eyes Buscemi as Map of the Stars Eddie. Cliff with great power Robinson as President Mike Pence. Peter yeah. Edie, Peter Easy Rider Fonda as Pipeline. Valeria Hotshots Garino as What Purpose Does My Character Serve? Her name was Talisma. I had to look that up. She's useless. Stacy Mike Hammer Keach as Bootleg Lee Van Cleef. Pam Jackie Brown Greer as Hershey Las Palmas. And, or you could also call her, they needlessly modified my voice because I apparently used to have a penis. And Bruce, I can... the character. Yeah. Or still has a penis. That yeah. wasn't clear. And Bruce, I can literally do it all, Campbell, as the Surgeon General of Beverly Hills, a.k.a. Dr. Oz. Groovy. So before we tackle the plot, how would you describe this film in one sentence? Chump Pliskin, we'll start with you. Call me Snake. Okay, so I would give this the one-sentence description as such. A grumpy, sight-impaired man finds his way through a strangely boring post-apocalyptic wasteland in search of a smoke. Wait, is this Book of Eli? That's pretty cool. I mean, spoilers, Book of Eli, that's also a terrible film. Don't watch that. If you if you substituted smoke for the King James Bible, it's Book of Eli. <laughs> that's, that's uh, what's his face, right? Uh, Denzel. Denzel. Washington, yeah. And Gary Not Oldman. that he I am legend because that's Will Smith and vampire zombies and not sight impaired. That's the key. Again, spoilers. Book of Eli. Don't don't watch that movie. It's terrible. Fair enough. My one sentence requires a little bit of a description, but you remember the SNL skit where Chris Farley would interview famous people and simply ask them, "Do you remember the time specific film?" Uh, that, but uh, Kurt, Kurt Russell. Do you remember the time you were in Escape from New York? That was awesome. The movie. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, I would describe it just as... Uh, no, no, no. It's Carpenter. C-A-R-P-E-N-T-E-R. Uh, make that out to my to myself and Kurt Russell 
Large check, please. I want a novelty-sized check. This is all for the money. Thank you. Which sucks because, as we've already said, clearly Kurt Russell wanted to do this, like, a lot. Uh, 90s Carpenter is just really upsetting as a fan of John Carpenter. You've got this. You've got vampires with super crazy James Woods. You've got Ghosts of Mars. 90s Carpenter oh, is yeah. just not a good oh, time. Oh, Forgot it's, about it's that. not a good time. He's, he's a man out of his time. And it sucks. And the, even the music in this movie, his music is usually so great. It's amazing, typically. feels cheap. The original score for this movie is comically bad. Yeah. I kind of like, I'm trying to remember what else he had going on during the 90s. And, woof, Memoirs of the Invisible Man, Village of the Damned. Yeah, Village of the Damned, not yeah, great. It was a rough time for him. Yeah. Damn. I think really all he had was in the mouth of madness, depending on how you feel about that. Yeah. Jesus. So, anyway, the actual description for this movie is Snake Plissken is once again called in by the United States government to recover a potential doomsday device from Los Angeles, now an autonomous island where undesirables are deported. Again, substitute any of that with New York, and it's the same frigging movie. Down to the like the characters it's weird yep uh so here is the general plot and i will stop this at times to discuss certain elements of the film but here we go the year is 2013 la like new york before it is a prison colony for all those who break the strict and harsh laws of president mike pence such trans (laughs) such transgressions include smoking drinking eating red meat referring to your wife as anything but mother and more you, with, <laughs> with, with great. Uh, uh, damn it! No, that I, I can't. I can't follow the mother. Let that go. That you win. If, Fuck. If you break one of these laws, you get deported, or you can repent and die by le- electrocution. Shockingly close On to sight. things he's tried to do. <laughs> no. Yeah. Nope. Accurate. Yeah. Then, you know what? Cut me out of this. Just you. You keep going. This is a good uh, monologue. I like. So, in all seriousness, uh, the character was was based on televangelist Pat Robertson. So Oh yeah. We're like yeah, not yeah. that far off. He looks like Jerry Falwell too. Like the 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 weirdly manicured hair and stuff and Yeah. Uh, so through an exorbitant amount of exposition, we discovered that LA had devolved into a land of the lawless, essentially having to be patrolled by an omnipresent police force. Not long after, in two thousand, a massive earthquake separated it from the continent. Now Here's what I want to ask. How much of this backstory did we actually need? It literally jumps from, in 1998, this happened. In 2000, this happened. In 2013, this happened. Why? Why couldn't they just start the friggin' movie with uh, Utopia stealing the black box? Here's my thing. 1996 was a simpler time where we really thought a theocracy was a lot further away from America. That's true, I mean, yeah. 1996, we had a Clinton as a president who, I mean, let's not mince words here. He's kind of a scumbag, but he definitely wasn't like a moral person, you know? So, Well, I mean, uh, they do say president. I don't. I think he's just president, whatever. But he is the president for life. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. You know, he's... He is president forever. That's literally how he's built. President for life. Yeah, I, I take that as 
is kind of a nod to the fact that he predicted the separation of Los Angeles and people were amazed by his prediction. Did he predict that or was he responsible for it? It's pretty clear well, that you could take you could yeah, take yeah. that that uh, was yeah, intentional. Very, yeah, it's very much a uh, jet fuel can't melt uh, no. faults. I'm trying to I'm trying to draw jet a, fuel can't a, melt tectonic faults. Uh, I'm trying to draw a, a pod connection here. Yeah, it's a little bit of the uh, the Starship Troopers esque thing here. Was it an inside job? Um, jet fuel can't send rocks hurtling. Millions of miles across space by yeah, yeah. bugs. The bug, the bugs to that degree, yeah. But yeah, so so it spooks the people. But honestly, yeah, how much that do you really need? I actually, I think this movie would have worked better had it just been there's a natural disaster. Los Angeles has been cleaved from the continental U.S. and there's a black box on the now island L.A. and the government needs Snake to get in there to get it. And you can even leave in the president's daughter being a turncoat as a twist in there. But yeah, I don't think you need all the overwrought backstory. I, I think you could just set up as a straight up, hey, the MacGuffin is now on this island that's separate and the government needs uh, Snake's skill set to go get it. The and only, the only way, reason I disagree okay. is because, the and I don't want to steal too much thunder from the end of this, but the way this film ends requires you to absolutely hate the U.S. government in this incarnation as much as humanly possible. So mm -hmm. they have to lay it on as thick as they can. You see orphans in the detention center that may or may not be in line to be executed uh, or maybe just being separated from their parents who are being executed and exiled. It's not clear, but for this movie to pay off, and I don't think it succeeds, I want to be clear on that. Snake Plissken is absolutely the villain of this film by the end of it. No, he um, does the right thing. Does he? Yeah. I don't... I, uh, well, we'll get there. But my point is, the reason that that is there is because it is setting up... They're trying to make what happens later justified. That's why. Now, does it succeed in that? Uh, I, don't, I don't know that I think it does. I'm fine with most of the stuff that's happening throughout the detention center. Obviously, I think that's necessary. I just do not think as a, a script is does its job to show you, not tell you. And this literally spends 15 minutes of time telling you things. Telling you. There and, is a lot of, yes, I agree. And if you watch Escape from New York, they do all of that in a third of the time. That, that's fair. I will agree that they could have truncated the look how shitty it is, it's completely shitty in a much more clever fashion, but yeah. at the same time, I get the sense that's why they chose to do it, which is weird, because again it's not like John Carpenter doesn't know how to do that. He literally did that 17 years ago. Yeah. I, I would argue, too, that what they describe in that, that exposition actually would be very interesting to see. Like I, I think I think that was a pretty interesting part of what could have been a better movie was to see how that developed. So if and, you stream if you streamlined that and made it more more easy to tell, to my point, again, my my angle here, that was an interesting part of the movie that they could have actually expanded on, and take and replace some of the crap that we got that followed it. Like that was an interesting narrative to I, see how that developed. I agree. In fact. 
in the interest of it not being the exact same movie, uh, if it so happens that this earthquake occurs, the president's daughter's there, she's got an incredibly important piece of intel, crucial to the future of the United States, but Snake is also in L.A., like, well, there's only one guy there that can get her out. All of a sudden, you have a vastly different movie using the same character we all love, but the story is all new. Like, if you've seen Escape from New York, you know every beat that's coming. It's it's kind of sad to, to yeah. a point. I mean, we can Monday morning quarterback this yeah. thing yeah. as much as you yeah. want, but there's a million ways. This you Just a few slight changes here or there, and this whole movie is justified, whereas... The actual film that is presented is not. Yeah. But we can jump into all so, of that. You know, we didn't get that. That's fine. So stop me if this yeah. sounds familiar, gentlemen. Focusing on Snake. He's being brought through processing. He's looking at life in prison, but they have a proposition for him. The president's daughter, Utopia, played horrifically by A.J. Langer, has been wooed by a Peruvian revolutionary, Cuervo Jones, via an online VR game. For legal reasons, not Che Guevara. Yes. She stole an important black box off Air Force One and fled to L.A. to be with, not Che Guevara, who, Cuervo Jones. And they need Snake. And if he'll help, he'll receive a full pardon. Snake, anti-authority as always, only accept, accepts once he's been inflicted with a toxin that will kill him in ten hours. It's the same movie. Anyways... The same movie. So here's the thing. Snake Plissken it very clearly would immediately vo- violate all the quote-unquote moral laws that they set up. Yes. Like within the first five hours. <laughs> five hours. Five seconds. All he wants in this movie is a smoke. And frankly, that's immediately deportable to L.A. Yeah. Like either way, like you're looking at like you're going to have to continue parting at him. It's like if somebody gets free ice cream for life. You got to give that ice cream up for life. Like you got to keep pardoning his crimes because they're not going to stop. <laughs> also, they don't. It's just a passing mention, but they pick him up in New Vegas, Bangkok, <laughs> and I want to go. Is it just not legal in the lower forty-eight, or because you set up New Vegas? Bangkok. That's a combination of words that really puts one thing in my brain, and none of it is moral laws. I thought that was very interesting. They threw in that that U.S. territory, that newly founded U.S. territory. At the very least, you would think they could eat red meat in New Vegas, Bangkok. (laughs) The very least. Uh, I will say, Snake, one of the cool things, if you're a fan of New York, he shows up in his original outfit from Escape from New York, the same clothes he wore during that movie. They do not look good in uh, the lighter. This movie's very light, which also bugs me. Like, it doesn't feel like the other one. It feels like a stage production at a local high school of the other one. It's not great. Everything well, is the thing, very light. It's set, it's set mostly at night, yet still is significantly brighter for some reason. And they shot mostly at night. I have no idea why it's so bright throughout the movie. It's really annoying. I, I, I feel like a lot of this felt like it was shot on a really cheap soundstage, though. So. I'm sure, yeah. Like, some of it just felt weird. Yeah. All right, so Snake gets outfitted with an abundance of cheesy-looking gear and says much of the same dry stuff that made the character awesome. He then takes a submarine over to L.A. A nuclear submarine. 
which leads us through a bafflingly bad CGI sequence that is not at all necessary to the film. More on that later. But you get LAPD underwater. Yeah. Crashing into L.A., his sub is lost, and he also meets Pipeline, the leader of a gang of surfing hooligans. Pipeline ushers in the most annoying recurring element of the movie, the Your Snake Pliskin line. And uh, shall we discuss how awful that got? Because everybody says it. Okay, okay. I'm going to say what everybody should be thinking right now. That was so roadhouse, it was bad. Like, so bad. Like, we've already seen this joke. We get it. We've seen the mulleted main character that's got a reputation. We get the joke. And also, how bad was Peter Fonda? Peter so Fonda bad. has an Oscar. It was not good. That was, but... that, was, that was cutthroat island Gina Davis bad. He's just like... I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to read the lines. I'm going to hit the beats. We'll call it a day. Let's go. They made the checks out to Pete. That's good for me. Yeah. yeah we're cool. It's funny because this started like his career revival, this movie. It so. felt like a different movie. It felt like a different movie. Uh, so I thought the whole Your Snake Pliskin gag was a, a play off of Escape from New York. It is. It I just, thought it dead. It just happens way too often in this one. It's like, yeah. like five people do it. When they said they thought he'd be taller, I'm like, dude, that's Roadhouse. Yeah. I feel like there's a little bit of this where it's like Die Hard 2, where they're required to acknowledge that someone who had saved the president's life would legitimately be famous. Good point. Yeah. And, and they hit that up in the uh, the exposition news store stuff. Yeah. Uh, and the one guy's like, hey, I see here you were, you know, you, you were the youngest to receive the presidential, you know, Medal of Honor or whatever. And you also saved a different president. Like, okay. It's funny because he got a full pardon then. So I guess that wasn't a recurring part. Listen, what, what happens the... in New Vegas, Bangkok, unfortunately does not stay in New Vegas, Bangkok, because we live in a theocracy. Especially w- not her. That shit will follow you. I will say this. That's true. I would totally vote for President uh, Donald Pleasance over President uh, Fake Mike Pence. For sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't feel like uh, fake Mike Pence has the stones to take out the Duke. So, yeah. Uh, also, spoilers from Escape from New York, but that was 30, almost yeah. 40 fucking years ago, so deal with it. I'm sorry. If you haven't seen Escape from New York, you are not a number one. You're like a number five or six, seven. You should, you're not even in the A's. At this point, yeah. you're somewhere in the M, LMNOs ish. Yeah. I'm still hanging out for President Camacho. So, <laughs> so. It's, not, it's not that far off. That's a different pod, though. That's a different flop. In any event, Snake soldiers on, kills some skinheads, one of them being Robert Carradine, Lewis from Revenge of the Nerds, and brother of David Carradine. And Kung Fu. It's a weird way to end, but probably it's it's weirdly not expected, and uh, no, that's about right. Well, hey, hold up here. Let's just say this. Uh, a lot of people forget this. They know the Kill Bill stuff in Kung Fu. Oh, Kill Bill was great. But don't sleep on David Carradine as... Woody Guthrie uh, in the biopic. Uh, oh, God, what's, what's the name of that biopic? Lone Wolf uh, McQuaid. What? No, Quickly Down Under? <laughs> no. Bound for Glory. Bound for Glory was the uh, Woody Guthrie biopic. David Carradine, excellent in that. Also, don't, don't Lone on. Wolf McQuaid with Chuck Norris. Oof. There we go. Carlos. Yeah, so after he kills these uh, skinheads who needlessly harass him, even though they know who he is, 
he meets Map of the Stars Eddie, who also recognizes him and points him toward Cuervo's whereabouts. Cuervo's having a vainglorious parade with Utopia and Case in tow. And if Eddie sound, sounds like he's probably a little bit shady, it's because he's obviously a lot shady and will almost certainly... Like, he, he needed a neon sign on him that said, we'll betray the protagonist at first yeah. possible chance. And also, he's probably the most L.A. of all the characters aside from Bruce Campbell's Surgeon General. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. Eddie happens to have something that looks remarkably like the thing that Snake needs. Anyways, Snake does some snake shit, murders some people on a motorcycle, convinces some doofuses to engage him in a sportsmanly draw, and then splits after failing to acquire the case. Now, to be fair, that is the like, the one piece of this thing where I'm like, eh, all right. Yeah. He does the whole, no one starts shooting to this can, hits the ground, throws the can in the air and immediately murders everybody, which really feels like the the satire that Escape from New York was. Because, I mean, don't forget, it was 81. Kurt Russell was, he was the fucking kid from the computer wore tennis shoes. Yeah. And they slapped an eye patch on him and told him to growl. It was his but the first pro- uh, non-Disney role, right? Like his something like that. Yeah. But the problem is, it's it's what fourteen, fifteen years later that this comes out, yeah, where Kurt Russell has legitimately become an action star. So for him to do that, you're like, oh, no, yeah, that makes sense, and it's not funny. I will say this: I was confused as to why that was like a gag, because. Like, the dudes bought into it. Everybody kind of dropped their guns and respected it. I, I was confused. As a casual observer slash uh, fan, I'm like, why does this work? Like, that seemed like a really weird beat to me because they should have just shot him in the face. I mean, yeah, I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't get that at all. Plot armor. Yeah. But, is, is there a direct tie-in to... Escape from New York that that makes that makes that make sense. I, I didn't. Not I, really. I, no. Yeah. Okay. Because honestly, my, my mind went to Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, I'm trying to think. Is there something? This is a callback. Is this an in joke? Is this meta? Because it just seemed really like a weird beat in this movie. Uh, that's the one thing that really. It's just that, that snake can't be trusted. Okay. Because between that and the uh, submarine scene, those were the two that just left me scratching my head. I'm like, what the fuck am i watching and as sad as this may sound this little motorcycle chase is probably the best action set piece in the movie yeah minus some really questionable green screen yeah uh there's not a whole lot to celebrate and some of the action's kind of painfully slow too even in the scene yes slow it's probably poor editing more than anything because i think you can edit this crap to make it seem more frantic but Mm. parts of it were just kind of like He's going 30 miles an hour, and you're watching him move across the screen like for entirely too long with nothing happening. Like Now, granted, that's because we have spastic and short attention spans now, but there's parts of that just kind of like, and he's just kind of casually it's, moving across. It's just not a well-constructed chase scene. But uh, to your point, there's some of the be- better action and combat, and practi- it's practical effects. There's, you can't, there's some green screen. Uh, as Captain Cash said, but at least there's no bad CGI in that scene that I can recall. No. I mean, there's some CGI in this movie where you swear you're watching the second Mortal Kombat movie. That's how bad it is. It's not good. Like, when he's like literally walking on flat surfaces that are supposed to be post-apocalyptic L.A. And it's like, nope, that's not there. 
Nope, none of that's there. At all. <laughs> Oof. Anyways, so he meets Talisma, who I said is useless, and she is, who'd been banished to L.A. for being a Muslim. Again. Which, again, that, I think that's a nod at how this movie is trying not to be completely dumb. It's like a nod of like, no, 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 this this place isn't okay. Yeah, and uh, I, I feel like she serves a subvertive purpose. It's uh, just yeah. a little prescient, this movie. Uh, uh, that's a giant wall. Yeah. They're captured by a group of plastic surgery-obsessed cannibals, which is another highlight of the film because of the legendary Bruce Campbell. Uh, unfortunately, they escape because if they were eaten, that would have saved us about an hour. The legendary Bruce Campbell is the highlight of this film for me because this dude knows what movie he's in. He goes for broke the entire time, and it is great. Yeah, but he gets like screen time. Again, 100% Raimi style Bruce Campbell. I'll I'll, uh, stump here for Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi knows exactly what movie he's in uh, uh, this entire time. Because he, he's over the top, uh, and I think he gives one of the better performances in the movie. I mean, he's a scumbag, and he plays a pretty believable scumbag. You're looking at a very thin crowd of good performances, so I guess he's in the top three. But, yeah, no, that's fair. But there's a very steep drop-off after the top three. A lot of that depends well, on whether you think Kurt Russell is in on the joke that is Snake Plissken or not. He's not, no, Russell playing this dead serious, but he's a snake. He's solid. So you got snake. He's you awesome. got Bruce Campbell. Yeah, exactly. You got snake. You got Bruce Campbell and you got Steve Buscemi. That's it. The rest of them are just kind of, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, everybody else is here. The, 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 what, uh, what's the uh, army commander guy's name? Uh, not rip torn. Um, Stacy Keith. Stacy something. Yeah. yeah. And that's just goes he's to, all the, uh, you know, Solid. like I don't want to keep harping on about how they're the same movie, but when you downgrade from Lee Van Cleef to Stacy Keach, uh, no offense, Mike Hammer, it's a noticeable dip. Like it's just not great. Uh, so where were we with uh, Talisma? Oh, she dies. Nobody cares. Snake gets betrayed by no, Eddie. no. So that that's the one thing I thought they did clever was she has this conversation about. And it's it's again it's all in service of what is to be the giant payoff here that everyone is assholes and everyone deserves detonated. That she talks about oh well yeah L.A. sucks but I'm free to do what I want and I figured out how to live here and it's not so bad and then she's immediately murdered. <laughs> well, so, that's true. Okay, okay, you make a very good point there, Captain Cash. But I'd like to point out that this movie undercuts that point in the very beginning because when snake is being uh processed i think it's when he's being processed he makes some point about like being free in america and he goes free here no that's that's long gone well yeah i mean that's the point la is not part of america it's a separate island it's 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 a penal colony unto itself yeah fair enough she was taken from the land of oppression and brought to a dangerous place, but now she has freedoms. I took it more as, more as the uh, existential comment that freedom no longer exists. But well, right. yeah, but I mean, again, that's setting but, up. Uh, whole... It does in L.A. I got you. Okay, fair yeah. enough, fair enough. Okay. okay, so with Snake captured, Cuervo threatens to wipe out the power to the U.S., which is what the MacGuffin, that 
Utopia who has stolen does. They can basically target sites, which, by the way, there's a article that The Atlantic did in 2013 about this movie that basically examined how close Escape from L.A. was to what 2013 actually would become. That's the thing they noted is like being a reality. Like, that is a real threat. Like, that can happen. Like, people can mess with other countries' power grids and potentially shut the whole system down. Anyways. Yeah, but not with an EMP. An EMP doesn't work like no. they described. Electromagnetic pulse for you playing at home. EMP, electromagnetic pulse. But it's a thing that Carpenter thought, at least envisioned as being a potential issue down the road. Yeah. Because we'd become so over-reliant on things. If they're taken away, chaos ensues. Also, the, the uh, plot of uh, Fight Club, but... Uh... Yeah. Anyway. Sort of. So. Kind of. EMP would do the same thing that that'd wipe out all electronic baking records. But yeah. Movie. If, uh, so if Cuervo uses this item, then all these third world nations who are basically preparing to invade the United States will descend Including upon them. Not, <laughs> not third world <laughs> anymore. As, as they're defenseless and take them over, wipe them out, and they'll then take control of the world. And he also sentences Snake to death by basketball, which leads me to another question of mine. Did it strike either of you as odd that Snake is so good at such a strange array of sports? No, because one, Kurt Russell, in fact, practiced all of those shots so he could actually hit them in reality while filming that scene. I'm not saying he hit them all sequentially as the movie lines it up, but he nailed every one of those shots in reality because that's how dedicated Kurt Russell was to playing Snake Pilskin. That's commitment. The only thing I will say is what happens in New Vegas, Bangkok stays in New Vegas, Bangkok. Holy shit, I just realized Snake Pilskin is the first and second Hangover movies. Why didn't they use him as the tattoo artist in Bangkok? That would have been almost... And he that, could have had the eye patch. The eye patch would have made perfect sense. I mean, that's, like, brilliant. Todd Phillips, call me. I'm available. <laughs> um, hey, and I know we haven't done uh, Aliens 3 yet, but also just on the basketball screen shot... Yeah. Different aliens. Of- that's Resurrection. Oh, yeah, 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 I'm sorry. Still Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Resurrection. Yes, yeah, Sigourney Weaver. She hits that behind the back shot yeah listen the late 90s was a weird time for basketball don't examine it too closely i so throughout most of the movie i'm pretty fine with it i even accept the basketball scene for what it is i just i'm gonna get to it when we talk about how we really think about the movie uh it just was a silly way for him to be sentenced to death and i also get that he is the trope that he's the best he's the embodiment of 90s and 80s action characters like well, there's only one guy we can call because he's the best. And that's what Snake is. The gariest stew. But when you got a guy who's been shot in the leg and he's surfing a tsunami, I think at that point you've jumped the literal shark that the sub did at the beginning of the movie. Well, it's very L.A. and very 90, so I'll give it a pass. Fair enough. Okay. So Snake, defying the adage that white men can't jump, wins the basketball challenge and escapes. Eddie, the loathsome Eddie does shoot him in the leg. Literally, he gets shot in the same leg as in New York, which helps Eddie recover the case. Utopia, 
also seems to understand that she's made a terrible mistake dating fake Che Guevara because he's really violent and has no moral integrity. Who could have guessed? And sentences to people to death via basketball. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if it was like simple gladiatorial combat, you'd be like, eh, all right, fine. But to send someone to death by basketball, you have to be a, a true maniac. Well, no, they had they had standard gladiatorial combat before that, did they not? They did, but you still that 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 makes it worse. You had yeah, the choice boy. of standard gladiatorial combat, and you chose death by basketball, the opposite of love by basketball. She even she she looks at him, and she's like, "You're not going to kill him, are you? He won." And it's like, "What do you think he's going to do? He just had a guy cut another man's head off with a giant set of scissors." <laughs> Uh, also, I'm a better sniper in Fortnite than uh, fake Che Guevara is, because I would have smoked him. With and him. frankly, you are a terrible sniper yeah, in Fortnite. That's, not, that's really not uh, saying much about Cuervo Jones' accuracy. He's like a stormtrooper. Yes. Alright, now one of you floss. Oh wait, this is radio. Alright, so, Snake wounded in Sans case washes down a gutter where he again encounters Pipeline. They then surf a tsunami together. Somewhere, guys, Brody from Point Break is smiling. Although Snake has to bail off early when he sees Eddie driving along the road. And again, another spectacular example of bad mid-90s CGI being the devil. Eddie takes him to see his old friend Carjack Malone, who, you guessed it, betrayed him on a prior job. Who does that sound like? Oh, Brain from Escape from New York. (laughs) They mend fences and then hang glide into a theme park that was supposed to be Disneyland, but they couldn't get the rights. And have a final showdown with Cuervo. And so it goes. Now, a couple of things here. Between the hang glider, the helicopter, the tsunami, and the sub, which was the worst effect of the film? Oh, the tsunami. There's not a question. It was the tsunami. Oh my god, the tsunami. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, the ability to render water in 1996 was limited. Uh, I'm going to allow that to go to Captain Cash, and I will write in my response, and it will be the strange decision to alter Pam Greer's voice, because apparently that was necessary in the 90s. That was bizarre, and that made that scene funny for all the wrong reasons it was yeah it was totally unnecessary i agree now as bad as the tsunami is at the very least they zoom in on kurt russell's face for some of it the submarine sequence is painfully long it goes on forever through this incredibly sterile and flat and boxy looking background it is awful it is video game cut screen bad, and I'll add that is not how nuclear subs work. Nuclear subs don't have a nuclear flame out the back. They have a nuclear propulsion system that turns a turbine, that turns uh, a rotor. They, 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 they work just like regular subs, but instead of burning diesel fuel to turn the shaft, the motor shaft, they have a nuclear engine that turns the turbine, that yes, turns... Yeah, very yeah, true. They, they, don't have, they don't have a nuclear fire. They don't have Godzilla breath coming out the rear propelling uh, them. That's uh, professor, also, you can't surf on a tsunami. Professor, ah, uh, I have a question, that, Professor. That was, that was painful when they were like, oh, it's just like a regular sub, but it's got a nuke propulsion. 
uh, it still has a turbine. They still have a turbine. It still turns a shaft and a prop. It's not a fire thing. Excuse me, you don't have, uh, you Professor don't, Pliskin. You don't have fire burning. Oh, okay, yeah. I have Sorry. a question. Uh, yes. In the land of just incredibly stupid things that is Escape from L.A., I really hope, I guess this is more of a statement and a question. I just hope you didn't spend too much time laboring over this intense breakdown of the nuclear sub <laughs> inconsistencies. But if you did, how long was it? Oh, I spent a solid like 15 minutes just stewing on this. I actually wrote notes <laughs> up and did them and then rewrote them. That really bothered me because it, it was clearly, like you said, it was a, a significant part of the movie. Like they dedicated a, a significant, it wasn't like extended, but it was a significant and clear, deliberate part of the movie to this awful, awful uh, submarine scene and it was completely nonsensical it, and you gotta this is not like far future this isn't like deep sci-fi this is near future sci-fi like probably my biggest knock on this movie from a visual standpoint aside from the bad cgi is that opening earthquake scene <laughs> and the cars are clearly contemporary. That's supposed to be future vehicles. And it's a bunch of stuff from the 80s and early 90s. And that's supposed to be the late 90s, early aughts. I mean, to be fair, uh, yeah. this whole thing is meant to have happened seven years ago. So, <laughs> and, mm. and, and it looks like an 80s movie across the board. Okay. So part of the reason the visual effects were so terrible is that the employees at the visual effects house, Buena Vista, had never actually done computer graphics before so they just really that actually explains a lot how to achieve them properly and i will also say this the submarine scene because it's so early in the movie uh, to make it an analogy that's like launching your new record album with the worst single on the record like you know right away like up yep this is gonna be terrible there's no coming back from it and the worst part is it's completely unnecessary. You didn't need it. It's kind of like when Captain Cash peed his pants in the eighth grade. People don't forget. You know, you <laughs> listen, you all know that that's not true. Everybody my age pees their pants. It's the coolest. If peeing your pants is the coolest, consider me Miles Davis. Exactly. All right. So to wrap up this, this uh, movie, uh, Snake Escapes. And is in, from LA. Yeah, from LA. And is certainly the most satisfying scene in the movie. Pulls a fast one on the man. Take that, Pence. Just like New York. Yep. Same ending. Again. Same thing. But it's not the same ending, though, because what, what does he do? Okay, so he uses his hologram device to be like, oh, we caught you, Snake. Haha, we know you kept the real thing, but it's the hologram. And then Snake's like, Welcome to the human race. Click. Wipes out the electricity. For all of the world, yeah. to be clear. Within the rules of the world they've set up, he dials in 666, enter, and that wipes out all technology. Anything that runs on electricity is now fucked. That's not how an EMP works, but those are the rules they set up. He's set everyone back to pre-industrial era. I just do want to say the password 666 seems a little rudimentary for such a powerful device. (laughs) 
Like, but then you remember who's in charge of that most powerful device, and it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Very space balls. Very yeah. space balls. So, but, uh... And it's for this reason that I submit Snake Plissken is the ultimate villain of this piece, because in doing that, he murdered billions. Well, we're not sure exactly what happened next. Think about everyone in the world in 2013 that was hooked up to any manner of of life-saving device. Everyone in a hospital, everyone in an airplane, everyone in a helicopter, everyone on the highway. Actually, depending on the car, that still might work. Well, as Trump said, these were all contemporary, like, 1990s cars, so... Uh, 90s dicey, you probably make it. Yeah. yeah, your Ford Probe was probably safe. Um, but, yeah, to, to Captain Cash's point, I mean, he would have been absolutely lost when his his MySpace account was wiped out. And he had no access to... <laughs> his Friendster. His Friendster or his Tamagotchi <laughs> pet. And oh, yeah. He, yeah. He would have... all, all, all of the Tamagotchi pets are now dead. Would, yeah. have been a, would have been a dark day for you when Prodigy Online went down. <laughs> his Club Penguin account was yeah. erased. Yeah, it was all bad. Listen, uh, so well, no, I both know no, that no. Club Penguin absolutely violates at least six moral laws. That's fair. What the hell they is were, Club Penguin? They were probably already in Club Pence. But the point being is that, yeah, Captain Cash is correct. Uh, Snake basically ended civilization as we know it. There's really no, like, redeeming quality there. It, was like, it wasn't like he was like, yes, we beat the bad guys. He's like, basically, no, I fucked everyone. Get over everyone it. equally, equally, I, but everyone is completely fucked. Pipeline's not, not probably e- okay. Everybody is no, True. it's not equally fucked. Everybody is fucked to a varying degree, and I got my smoke, so I don't give a shit. So again, the plot point of this movie is that Snake does not give a shit, and is the <laughs> ultimate bad guy. Yep. Immediate reactions: good, bad, and different. Sounds like we're all on the same page. This was not good. Uh, shockingly, John Carpenter said this about the movie. Escape from L.A. is better than the first movie. Ten times better. It's got more to it. It's more mature. It's got a lot more to it. I think some people didn't like it because they felt it was a remake, not a sequel. I suppose it's the old question of whether you like Rio Bravo or El Dorado better. They're essentially the same movie. They both had their strengths and weaknesses. I don't know. You never know why a movie's going to make it or not. People didn't want to see Escape that time, but they really didn't want to see The Thing. You just wait. You've got to give give me a little while. People will say, you know, what was wrong with me? No, that's a terrible take. I'm sorry, John. It's terrible. It's a terrible take. It's got a lot in it. There's a lot of different stuff in it, like uh, 46 million more dollars in it. Everything about this movie is worse. The acting is worse. The sets are worse. The dialogue is much worse. The aesthetic is far too bright and worse. As a microcosm, back to the basketball. You trade death by combat for death by layup line. That's what this movie is. First movie, he fights a guy with a bat with spikes in it. This movie, he shoots free throws. Yeah, well, I, I will play devil's advocate here just to a, a bit of John Carpenter's point. I agree. The thing worked on levels that did not get respect for, so he's trying to say, hey, the thing worked but it wasn't popular. Sometimes your movies just don't hit. Yeah, no. The thing is legitimately good, okay? It didn't hit for probably some reasons. 
this was not legitimately good and definitely did not hit for legitimate reasons. Like, those are two separate things. You can't say, well, the thing didn't crush it, so I'm not shocked this didn't. No, this stunk compared to the thing. Period. End of story. That is uh, as close to the perfect comment about this film as can be said. And with it, we're going to head to our first break. And when we come back, we've got a few interesting facts. And then a brand new game built specifically for this episode. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, and this is our Escape from L.A. podcast. And we're going to do a few interesting facts before diving into a brand new game that I designed specifically for this episode because of one of the most 90s things about the movie. Did you know this is this was the only sequel John Carpenter ever directed? He did write Halloween 2, did not direct it. Peter Fonda. As we said, uh, gained fame when he co-wrote, starred in Easy Rider, was basically eh, pretty inactive for a while. Uh, not, you know, at some point. This started his career revival. A year later, he was nominated for an Oscar for Yuli's Gold. Wait, was he also in Love in a 45? I do not know. I think he talks with a voice box like Uncle Ned from uh, South Park and that. Moving on. Uh, according to an interview with John Carpenter, Kurt Russell not only came up with, but he wrote the entire ending of the movie. Kudos to Kurt, because I think the ending is one of the better parts of the movie. So, I know that we've agreed, well... It is certainly the most memorable part of the film. Yeah. Uh, you'll enjoy this one, Captain Cash. Bruce Campbell and Kurt Russell share the same stunt double, John Casino. And he had doubled for both of them for years, uh, and still does it. For them to this day so we got a, like a real uh, once upon a time in hollywood thing happening here yeah nice yeah true and uh throughout the movie there's several references to snake plissken in the city of cleveland it's an in joke to a friend of john carpenter's who knew a guy from cleveland named snake plissken and this is supposedly where he got the name for the character when he was wait. writing escape from new york wait there's a real guy we, can we track down the real Snake Plissken? I was in I Cleveland literally yesterday. I mean, I assume he's as uninteresting as the real Cosmo Kramer. Oof. Remember well, when the real I... Kramer appeared? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm the Kramer. And it was, like, interesting for a week. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, on my top ten list of dudes I'd like to have a beer with, I think the real Snake Plissken sneaks in there. At a low-key number 10. I think that's fair. I mean, at least we got to figure out what he's all about. Like, does he want to end civilization with a gigantic EMP device? I don't know. Like, unless you're in herpetology, you don't wind up with the name Snake uh, unless you've done some stuff. That's true. Yeah, no way. You just, you just don't have that unless you're a biker or someone with a traumatic... Uh, recent history <laughs> all right so th those were mostly interesting facts we covered some other stuff throughout discussing the movie here's the game i invented specifically for this episode because this particular movie has a white zombie song by the name of the one that was specifically written for the film 
which is the thing that happened a lot in the 80s and 90s. So this Especially is Especially the 90s. Jesus. Can you name the movie based upon the song that was featured in it? The rules, gentlemen, are as follows. I'll recite the refrain for the song. I will then tell you the song title and the artist. You must guess the film it was either prominently featured in or was written for. If you can't get it, I will provide up to three hints. First being a quote from the movie. Second, the tagline for the movie. Third, the two main stars of the movie. But for each hint you receive, the correct answer is worth one less point. Oh, man. Fair. I'd just like to knock out three right now. Men in Black, Bad Boys, and Wild Wild West. How many points do I get? They're not on this list. Son of a bitch, Will Smith is like 90% of that. It's really tough because you can't do a song that has the same name as the movie. That's the hard part. So That's one like of them technically Will does, Smith. But uh, all right. For the scoring system, if you answer with zero hints, you get four points. With one hit, three points, and so on. Are you ready? Let's do this. Listeners, since you're not constrained by copyright laws, I would just encourage you to listen to the song and then see if you can guess. But we can't do that on here because we don't have that kind of pull. Don't we? Who's stopping us? Oh, wait, the man. Yeah. Whoops. Snake, if you're out there, deploy the device. Please don't. <laughs> please please don't become the greatest mass murderer of all time. Oh, and also, to respond, we'll do it as such. You have to say, call me Snake. Then you get, you get to go. Fair enough. All right, number one. They do what they want to do, say what they want to say, live how they want to live, play how they want to play, dance how they want they to dance. They call me Snake. Captain Cash. The Adams Family. It is from The Adams Family. That is The Adams Groove by MC Hammer. I had that uh, album. Wow. I will, I will take four points. Raul Julia, you're a beautiful son of a bitch. Yeah, I agree. I miss you, buddy. Better is M. Bison. Now, I will say this. They're going to get much more difficult as we go along. Number two. She's a maniac, maniac on the floor. And she's dancing. They call me Snake. Captain Cash. Flashdance? That is Maniac by Michael Sambello for the movie Flashdance. Oh, suck it. Eight to zero. Yep. Number three. When you got the glue, you feel the one. You feel the one when you got the glue. Your body's gold. Your body's gold. Hey. Shamsilla. The Last Dragon. It is The Last Dragon. The Glow by Willie Hutch, which you can find on Spotify, and I highly recommend it. We have definitely interacted with Bruce Leroy. Yes, nice we guy. have. Timac. That was one of my hints was Timac and Vanity. was the two stars. Okay, number four. They get harder after this, just for the record. Don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to I don't want to fall asleep because they call me Snake Plissken, baby. Oh, dang. Cash. That is very clearly fucking Armageddon. Oh, my God, Armageddon. Yes, that is. To be fair, that was the better giant meteorite kills everybody movie of 1999. That is true. Not here to say it. that's a Michael Bay flick, right? Yes, it is. That's, that's 
probably the best Michael Boy. Film. That it is. That is the Ur Bay film. That, so... There's nothing movie you can blame on Michael Bay. It's cheesy because it's the '90s. It's not cheesy because it's Michael Bay. So that was "Don't Want to Miss a Thing" by Aerosmith for the Michael Bay classic Armageddon. <laughs> also, Steve Buscemi. That's true. Yeah. Number five. There's no easy way out. There's no shortcut home. There's no easy way out. Giving in can't be wrong, no. Do we require Uh-oh. a hint? Yep. Hint number yes. one. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that if eyes can change and use can change, everybody can change. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, they call me Snake Plissken. Captain Cash. Son of a bitch, Rocky Four. Yep. And you you didn't opt to go with Eye of the Tiger for that? Well, yeah, that's, was... that's Rocky Three. Uh, oh. Damn it. Yeah. yeah. So that is No Easy Way Out by Robert Tepper. All right, number six, and probably my favorite of the questions, uh, Chumpzilla, you got to get off the bench, buddy. Got to get off the porch if you want to run with the big dogs. Oof. It's 15 to four. All right, here we go. The winner takes it all. The loser standing small. Beside the victory, that's her destiny. Do we need a hint? Yes. Uh, they call me Snake? Captain Cash. That is Showgirls. Showgirls? Incorrect. So now, Captain Cash has responded incorrectly. Chump Pliskin, so you can listen to as many hints as you need and get the answer. Give, give me the hint. Hint please. number one. The world meets nobody halfway. Nothing? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm striking out here. One more, please. Hint number two. Some fight for money. Some fight for glory. He's fighting for his son's love. Well, this is over the top. It is over the top. Son of a bitch! I, I, knew, I, see, I, I thought again it was going to be uh, Stallone, but okay. I still feel like Showgirls counts for that answer. That is Winner Takes It All by Sammy Hagar. Sammy motherfucking Hagar, all right. I was a little concerned, though, when, when Captain Cash said Showgirls. I was like, what? <laughs> what, the Verhoeven? <laughs> That's the jokes, kids. So we have four more to go. You're not... I mean, it's gonna be—it's an uphill climb. I'm not gonna lie to you, but I think you can get some of these, and I think uh, Captain Cash may have some difficulty. Number seven: Hit the wheel and double the stakes. Throttle wide open like a bat out of hell. You crash the gates. Crash the gates. Anyone? I need the hint. I can feel it. Here's the first hint: In this country, you gotta make the money first. Then oh, you get the money. Call me Snake Plissken. Captain Cash. First you make the money, and then you make the power, then you make the Scarface. It is Scarface. That is Push It to the Limit by Paul Engman. The Limit! Oh, yeah. Along the razor's edge. I hope I just destroyed your goddamn car speakers, everybody. Thanks for coming out. Yeah. Now, the, the next three are tough. They're tough, I'm not going to lie. If you don't at least feature fucking Highlander on this thing, I will riot. I did because you'd get it so easily. 
Also, there's two Queen songs oh, in Highlander. It's so good, though. It's Queen. There's one clear one to choose, but number eight. I am a man who would fight for your honor. I'll be the hero be the... you're dreaming of. We'll live oh, forever. Oh. No. Oh, Chumzilla. I do it all for the glory of love. Chumzilla buzzed in. Is that Robin Hood? In. No! It is now. Listen, I got two caps with the melody. I was waiting for that. I, I don't actually think I, I... Is it The Bodyguard? I don't actually know it. I know the song. Incorrect. Since you both got it wrong, I will now do the first hint, and the game is back open. Okay. Hint number one. The quote from the movie. Live or die, man! Live or die! Oh, fuck! You have it. They call me Snake Pliskin. <laughs> yes, Captain Cash. Oh uh, no! It's I. My answer is Karate Kid. That can't be right. Uh, you were close, but it is wrong. Ah, oh, damn it! Chumpzilla, knowing he's very close, very close. The Karate Kid Two. Correct. Son of a bitch! That is the <laughs> Glory of Love by Peter Cetera from the Karate Kid Two. This is just the eighties. All why the do, 80s, all up in your ear holes. Why do we think that was Kevin Costner movie right off the bat? I mean, <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> it's, it's probably because of my natural ability to channel Brian Adams. I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> You're not even Canadian. That's weird. Yeah. Every day in my house is the summer of 69. Every day. Okay. We are, on the last two questions, it's 18 to 9 in favor of Captain Cash, you technically... Thank uh, you. Thank you. The presumptive nominee, the presumptive winner. You can't win, but again, you're playing for pride, and I think that you should get one of these two. We shall see. Number nine. Call me. Call me on the line. Call me. Call me anytime. Call me. Call me. I'll arrive. You can call me any day or night. Call me. I mean, I obviously know the song, but I have no idea what movie it's attached to. Son song, of a bitch. song's very popular. Do you need a hint? I mean, I do. Here's the quote from the main character. I'll do kink. I'll do anything you want me to do. Uh, they call me Snake Plissken? Captain Cash. That is the Thunderous Wizard, The Life and Times? Well, it's based on that, yeah. <laughs> I mean... I've, I've literally heard you say that at least three times. Yeah, true. That's fair. Maybe I took it from this. Uh, Chumpzilla, another hint for you. Here's the tagline for the movie. He's the highest paid lover in Beverly Hills. Oh, son of a bitch. No, yeah. I actually know what it is. Yeah. Let's not be a deuce bigelow, male gigolo. Incorrect. And... Third, well, now you're back in play, Captain nah, I mean, Cash. No, nah, go ahead, do it. Third, Richard Gere and Lauren Hutton. It's American Gigolo. The film that Deuce Bigelow was spoofing. Yeah. Yeah. I assume that was the spoof, yeah. And, of so, course, it's I'm Call not... Me by Blondie, which is a popular song, or was at one time. I'm kind of, I had no idea Call Me was written specifically for that song, for that film. I, uh, yeah, I was actually really surprised. And I, I, uh, I learned a little something today. I like that. And 
you want to see Debbie Harry get burnt by a cigarette, watch Video Rome with James Woods. It's weird. That is the thing we could all do. Or not do. thing. Watch it. It is weird. Here's our last question. The refrain. I'm crazy for you. Touch me once and you'll know it's true. I never wanted anyone like this. It's all brand new. You'll feel it in my kiss. I'm crazy for you. Crazy for you. I, I, I need the not William Shatner version read. <laughs> I'm crazy for you. Okay. I'm crazy for you. Touch me once and you'll know it's true. I never wanted anyone like this. It's all brand new. You'll feel it in my kiss. I'm crazy for you. Crazy for you. They call me Snake. Captain Cash. What is the crying game? Incorrect. Shit. All right. Chumpzilla, would you like a hint? I would. And somehow I knew that where that was where Captain Cash was going. Here's a quote from the film. Last week I turned 18. I wasn't ready for it. I haven't done anything yet. So I made this deal with myself. This is the year I make my mark. I can redo that quote if you need it. No, that was pretty straightforward. Not very revealing. It's like right at the beginning of the film. Is the movie Parenthood. Incorrect. Okay, now, Chumpzilla, Captain Cash is back in. Here is the tagline for the movie. All he needed was a lucky break. Then one day she moved in. Again, not super revealing. Would we like the third hint? I'll take the third hint. I got nothing right now. Matthew Modine and Linda Fiorentino. Oh, my God. Wait, no. You can't. They call me Snake? Captain Cash. It's not Lolita, is it? No, it is not. Uh, Who did Lolita look like Modine? I will give you another hint. Uh, The name for the movie is based on a typical spiritual awakening journey for some Native American tribes. And it's also a movie based on wrestling. Oh, oh, Vision Quest. Yes. Okay, as as two people who wrestled in high school, Chumzilla and I should be deeply ashamed. Yeah. Uh, Madonna's in the movie. Crazy for you. She performs at the bar. Yeah. No, when he said Modine, it took me a second. I knew what he meant. I've never seen Vision Quest. Full disclosure, never seen Vision Quest. Oh, my God. Loud and Swain. The pegboard. I know. It's tragic. uh, Madonna ended up becoming so popular, basically right after the movie premiered, that they renamed the movie Crazy for You in foreign territories. Really? To sell it on Madonna's name. Yeah. So. Brutal, but I understand. Yeah. So that was our game. Uh, Captain Cash, you won Running Away. I think it's one we'll bring back because there's so many songs to do. And what did you win? A copy of the Addams Family 2 soundtrack featuring Tag Team. Whoop, the Addams Family, there it is. Congrats. I hope you enjoy that. Should bring you a lot of I'm going to dance it up, baby. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. And we come back, no recommendations this week. It is our shit movie what? championship showdown. Oh, the, when do we, you got to give us bigger issues. We still got to do recommendations. They're, they're sure. Throw out. We can offer some recommendations. But it is our showdown. Is the champion of the pod Cutthroat Island, or is it 
Battlefield Earth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops. This is our final segment of the show this week. Before we do our Ship Movie Championship showdown, we will offer some brief recommendations. So, Captain Cash, lead us off. Uh, I just checked out Onward from Pixar. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I don't know if it's a particularly unique or novel thing that you're not aware of, but, you know, it's a unique IP from Pixar. So I want to reward that so I can stop getting, like, Dory 3. That's actually a very fair thing to say, yes. It's far more interesting when Pixar does new IPs, unless they're called Toy Story. Keep making them forever, and I will cry every time. Chumzilla, your recommendation. Well, I'm going to cheat here. I'll just say, you know what? movie we talked about today for the majority of the pod was not so good, but you should probably check out, if you haven't seen it, Escape from New York. That is a legitimately good movie. So if you've never seen it to the younger folk audience, you might have missed it. Go check it out, because this movie... It tried to capture that magic. It didn't nail it. It didn't recapture it at all, sadly. But there was a good movie with Kurt Russell in it, with John Carpenter behind the camera. Go check that out. And and it's basically the same movie. And actually, that was going to be my recommendation. Uh, oh, but I will, I'll switch it up because it really is. It's a great recommendation. If you've never seen Escape from New York, you should see it. Or I'll just recommend another, basically rehash of a 80s property and that's creed 2 i i put off watching creed 2 for so long uh i think i was a little worried it couldn't possibly live up to my expectations i watched it i loved every second of it if they keep making creed movies i will keep seeing them forever uh it it's really stallone's signature role and it's really amazing the way they've been able to develop his character throughout but also Michael B. Jordan's awesome, is just great in it. Dolph Lundgren, you're the man. Pod favorite Dolph, you know we love you. So Creed 2, that's my recommendation. So now, on to uh, more important things. This is the Shit Movie Championship Showdown. I'm going to establish some ground rules. We only get three reasons for why the movie should be champion. At the end, you get one minute and... Captain Cash, who's serving as our honorable judge, can time it. Uh, and he will also determine the winner. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. <coughs> Mr. Wizard, clearly state the contestants and what we are facing. Okay, that's fair. Who is up for it tonight? So when we did uh, Travolta Month, which was a few months back, Battlefield Earth was the first movie we did. And at the end of that episode we all agreed that Battlefield Earth was the worst movie that we'd done on the pod and we crowned it our inaugural shit movie of the podcast ever yes and last week we watched Cutthroat Island I hated it and I decided it was time to throw down the challenge we hadn't done it yet for the record Battlefield Earth has yet to face a challenger for its belt. In the future, I think we should just do more challenges, but obviously they have to be warranted. But I really did think there was a strong case to be made for Cutthroat Island. 
the Honorable Judge Captain Cash will now hear your 60 seconds of arguments. Go. First off, Cutthroat Island cost twice as much as Battlefield Earth did. Where did that money go? Certainly we know a lot of it went to VH use, but the movie's not at all visually interesting. Uh, its explosions are all window dressing to mask bland choreography to misfire on all fronts. Part two, literally no comedic value to its badness. Battlefielders is schlock, we understand that, but at least it's fun to watch because Travolta's hamming it up and having a good time. Outside of Langella as dog, Island is just a mind-boggling exercise in wondering where all the money went and, again, cost double of what Battlefield Earth did and made a lot less. And Gina Davis turns in what may be the worst performance by a prior Oscar winner ever if you don't count Nicolas Cage in Cutthroat Island. Those are my three concrete reasons that this should be the champion of the pot. Uh, I would, as judge, Nicholas Cage in Cutthroat Island? Question mark. No, uh, if you, Gina Davis's performance is the worst ever from a prior Oscar winner. If you exclude all Nicholas Cage movies that happened after leaving leaving Las Vegas. Okay. Since. Since. Yes. Nicholas Cage. Yeah. All right. Got you. I will now hear Chumzilla's argument in defense of Battlefield Earth as the shit movie champion. Go. Well, frankly, I feel like this is a very simple argument to make. Um, (coughs) Battlefield Earth looks so much worse than Cutthroat Island. Yes, it was cheaper, granted, but none of the money spent on Battlefield Earth is seen on the screen. It all went straight into the pockets of Scientology and John Travolta. The movie looks like crap because nobody was actually spent on it. It was just a freaking scam from the get-go. And there's no compelling actor in it. There's no Frank Langella to carry this movie. It just, it just sucks. There's no, it's devoid of talent. It's devoid of charisma. There's nothing there. And at the end of the day, again. And that is your 60 seconds, sir. Closing arguments, go. I will say this. The career cost of Battlefield Earth versus Cutthroat Island, not even a comparison. Travolta worked for many years on very successfully. And again. Cutthroat Island is so bad, it also got the ridiculously bad video game tie-in, which is a 90s staple. I mean, come on. This movie earned how shitty it was. It deserves to be our champion. Yeah, it came back in the late rounds and it's an upset, but this, it knocked it off. It just did. Battlefield Earth, as bad as it is, I would rather listen to Travolta talk about smelting gold than I would listen to the bad one-liners from Gina Davis ever again. That is my closing argument. Closing arguments from Chumpzilla. Who directed Battlefield Earth? Uh, Some guy that used to work on Star Wars movies. And he'll never work again. Everybody 
that was involved with Cutthroat Island managed to eke out a career past that point. Battlefield Earth ended careers. People did not work after that. It was a vanity project. It wasn't legit. It was a gross example of the influence of the Church of Scientology and deserves to be forgotten and banished to the forgotten realms of history. That movie is gross and should never be talked about again. Some may say that it should be locked in uh, Fort Knox with a pile of gold. Surprisingly easy to uh, break into Fort Knox. But, I mean, a thousand years in the future, obviously. Things would have degraded by then, but not jet planes. Well, but... Apparently, jet planes do not age over time either. Just wait. No, or fuel. Damn it, I'm going to lose. Honorable judge. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. The argument in favor of Cutthroat Island is much stronger. Um, I, I lean very heavily on the, per, the performance of John Travolta in Battlefield Earth makes it ridiculous enough that it's kind of fun to watch. That's true. But I feel like there's also a mirror of that in Gina Davis's piss-poor performance in Cutthroat Island. On the other hand, so much more money was spent. And look, I'm going to admit, I fucking love the pirate genre. I really do. I, I would like to see more pirate films. But just based on the evidence presented, I do have to give it to Cutthroat Island. It hurts. New champion. Uh, again, and I cannot stress enough. It, it Battlefield Earth was absolutely a vanity project by John Travolta. It is the product of... Scientology, which has proven itself to be a completely batshit insane religion that absolutely robs people of all agency and should be shut the fuck down. Just stop, Captain Cash. So what you're saying is you're going to give the nod to Vanity Project that justified Gina Davis's marriage over the Vanity Project that subjugated God knows how many people that were victimized by Scientology. Yeah, that's what I, I think. What I'm trying to say is, th- this is this is the Volvo argument. You, you prefer Scientology over Gina Davis's divorce? Got? Oh, I absolutely do not. I, I would much prefer Gina Davis to be divorced many times over than allow the uh, Church of Scientology to exist. But I don't get to make that call. Listen, I love the pirate genre. The most. I would watch any pirate movie, and if there's a pirate movie out there, I've probably watched it. But I just... The argument is very strong here. For what? For fucking fucking people over? No, because then Scientology wins. But you can't you can't give it solely to Scientology as the the reason why the movie sucks. You're saying Scientology is the better movie. You're saying you pick Scientology over Gina Davis. I absolutely do not. And I would never pick Scientology over piracy under any circumstances. Judge, I think uh, Trump Pliskins probably should be held in contempt of court at this point. Uh, I, I will treat 
No. I will treat the lawyer as hostile. Sir. We have a new champion. And with that, uh, welcome to the human race. We'll see you next time. <laughs>